It is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. Now a man is seen walking towards the officer's SUV, but the deputy's SUV investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired multiple shots while the two were parked. multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. As far as the allegations of the CIA hacking the Senate computers, nothing can be could be volatile, and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. And now, here's CD Media's host of Information Operation. Welcome back to Information Operation. Uh, we have been reporting on what's been happening in Iran for, for years now. Uh, the Trump administration had uh, essentially boxed the regime into a corner and had uh, stopped their sale of oil effectively, as well as their nuclear program withdrawing from the JCPOA. However, that has all changed with the Biden administration. Today, we're lucky to have Ali Safavi, who is of the National Council of the Resistance in Iran. Uh, welcome, Ali. Well, thank you very much, Todd. Great to see you. Ah, thanks. It's good to see you again. Um, so, you know, there's a lot going on in Iran. Could you just give us a brief overview of the resistance and, and what your role is at the group and uh, so our audience can understand? Of course. Well, the National Council of Resistance is a democratic coalition of Iranian opposition groups and personalities. It was founded uh, some 40 years ago with the aim of replacing the current uh, medieval theocracy and establishing a democratic, secular, uh, non-nuclear republic uh, in Iran. Uh, it has uh, gained a tremendous amount of support internationally, uh, enjoying the bipartisan support of uh, lawmakers in the United States and virtually every other major um, European countries and also in the Middle East. It uh, advocates uh, free elections, universal suffrage, gender equality, uh, religious, ethnic uh, equality. It uh, is against uh, the Sharia law. Uh, it's against the death penalty. It, uh, as I said, advocates a non-nuclear Iran. And of course, uh, uh, it uh, also um, um, advocates um, separation of religion and state. Uh, just uh, this past April, some 200, 233 uh, bipartisan members of U.S. Congress adopted a resolution in which they supported uh, the NCRI's 10-point plan, which has been articulated by its uh, president-elect, uh, Mrs. Mariam Rajavi. And they also endorsed uh, the call of the Iranian people for uh, a, a republic and rejected both the monarchic dictatorship as well as 
uh, the religious tyranny that is ruling Iran right now. Uh, the NCRI, of course, has waged an international campaign over the years to highlight the dismal uh, state of human rights in Iran. Also, it uh, played the key role in exposing Iran's uh, clandestine nuclear weapons program when it revealed the two major secret sites, Natanz and Arak, uh, which triggered IAEA, uh, the International Atomic Energy Agency, involvement, and of course the UN Security Council sanctioned resolutions and has continued to uh, keep a close eye on Iran's nuclear weapons program. It has also unveiled uh, many uh, terrorist schemes of the Iranian regime, including 14 uh, terrorist training bases across Iran, as well as its uh, uh, ballistic missile sites, some 42 different um, ballistic missile sites where the regime is producing and testing uh, ballistic missiles of the type that they fired at the Ain al-Assad base uh, in Anbar, Al-Anbar province in Iraq mm -hmm. uh, last year. Uh, and so in this sense, the NCRI is the only democratic and viable alternative with the wherewithal to bring about change in Iran. It, of course, has tremendous support both within Iran and in Iranian diaspora. Uh, you have been to some of its events, including uh, the one in 2018, where uh, 100,000 people took part. And of course, the regime tried to blow it up, mm -hmm. but their diplomat uh, uh, based in Vienna was captured. And he was just recently, uh, in February, sentenced to 20 years in prison, along with three of his accomplices uh, for plotting uh, that uh, terrorist uh, operation, which luckily was thwarted. So clearly, the extent to which the regime is focused on, on the NCRI and its constituent member, the MEK, is reflective of not, not only the impact that the, the NCRI has within Iran, but also the fact that the regime views it as an ex existential threat. So much so that uh, what's the latest number of executions of uh, members of the NC or of the MEK or the NCRI? Well, as you might know, uh, over the past 40 years, some mm -hmm. 120,000 political dissidents have been executed, uh, like 90, 95% being members and supporters of the MEK and NCRI. Yeah. Uh, also, like 30,000 were massacred in 1988. And that's very important because, uh, as uh, I'm sure you have seen press reports, mm -hmm. the man whose Khamenei's preferred candidate for the upcoming presidential election in June, Ibrahim Raisi, it was a key member of the death commission that sentenced uh, 30,000 uh, uh, dissidents to death back in 1988. So this is the regime that the Biden administration is is, co is basically appeasing now. Um, talk to us about the presidential election. I know that's been a, a recent event. Um, uh, what's happening and uh, how is it different from before? Well, I think the election is different from before from uh, several different angles. One the explosive state of the Iranian society. Mm -hmm. Remember that since the previous election in 2017, Iran has seen three major nationwide uprisings. One in December 2017, uh, which uh, basically spilled over into January of 2018. Then you had the November uh, uprising in 2019, which uh, basically uh, involved uh, more than 200 cities across Iran and the regime was able to quash it only by engaging in brute force. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and murdering 1500 people mostly young people uh, in cold blood and of course then there was the uprising in january 2020 in the aftermath of the shootdown of that ukrainian passenger airliner over iranian skies in which 176 innocent passengers were killed by the IRGC uh, missiles. Secondly, the economy is bankrupt. Uh, the Iranian currency is in a free wall. Thirdly, the regime is uh, isolated regionally and internationally, but most importantly, the fourthly, there's a very potent nationwide organized opposition in the form of MEK supporters and of course the resistance units who have, by the way, been engaged in a two months long campaign now calling on Iranians all over the country to boycott the sham election that is upcoming in June 2018. So in this sense, given the internal situation and the regional and international situation being different from what it was in 2017, mm -hmm. uh, the Khamenei uh, basically uh, the, dashed this whole idea of the so-called moderate versus uh, hardliners, right. which the West tried to play in order to give it concessions and basically purged virtually every other candidate who could have challenged Raisi for presidency, even some people in his own camp, like the parliament speaker Ali Larijani. He was a parliament speaker for 12 years. He was a secretary for the Supreme National Security Council. He was the head of the state radio and television. He was an IRGC brigadier general, was a minister of culture. So you had a regime of stalwarts running, but Khamenei feared that he cannot bring his favorite candidate out of the bag. Mm -hmm. So they even pushed him. Mm -hmm. And so basically this election is not about the uh, electoral process. It's not about the Iranian people uh, expressing their vote or their opinion. It's a travesty. It's neither fair nor uh, free. It's, in one word, a selection because um, a, an unelected body of 12 members, six of whom are being appointed by Khamenei and the other six are being appointed by the judiciary chief who is himself appointed by Khamenei vet all the candidates. So we are facing a farce and the Iranians, uh, as we have seen over the past couple of months in video the clips coming from Iran, uh, have said that they will boycott this election and their vote is to overthrow the regime. So um, possibly you could have an even worse situation in Iran after this election, right? I mean, a, a more uh, more tyrannical regime, if that's possible. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, clearly, I think the decision by Khamenei mm -hmm. to eliminate uh, uh, the rival faction, which, by the way, worked with him in tandem in all of the crimes and atrocities that this regime has perpetrated, mm -hmm. is reflective of the paranoia and the anxiety that he has about the future of, of the regime. Recall that in the 42 years of the, this regime in power, for um, 34 years, the so-called reformers have been in power. Yeah. The mass execution of political prisoners was carried out under the so-called reformist Prime Minister Mir Hossein Mousavi, who is now under house arrest, ironically. Mm. The largest number of dissidents assassinated abroad were assassinated under the so-called pragmatist President Hashemi Rafsanjani. The chain murders in Iran, which saw dozens of dissidents within Iran killed brutally, was carried out under Mohammad Khatami, the so-called reformer, 
whom the Westerners dubbed as the next Gorbachev of Iran. And also, of course, you have to remember that Iran's nuclear program mm -hmm. developed and advanced under uh, Khatami. And of course, under Rouhani, you have seen what they have done with the, their meddling in, in the region, in the Middle East, uh, with the, all the missiles that they have provided to the Hezbollah and to Hamas. Yes. Hundreds of millions of dollars they have given to these terrorist entities, for which, by the way, both Haniya and the head of the Islamic Jihad thanked Khamenei and the IRGC's Quds Force. And of course, you have seen what they've done in Syria, in Iraq, and in, in Yemen. And, and so in that sense, you are correct that Khamenei is hell-bent on uh, engaging in even more repression. But I think uh, in some respects, the balance of power is different. Mm -hmm. And that Iranians are determined, they are organized, and what Khamenei is fearing is a, an uprising even more ferocious and widespread than the one in 2009, uh, basically simmering beneath the ashes, and that will come. These days, official after official uh, in Iran is talking about the possibility of an uprising, and of course, the role that the MEK and its resistance units are going to play in it. So in mm -hmm. that sense, uh, we think that um, uh, this is going to happen is inevitable because the underlying problems in Iran, economic problems, social problems, political problems that uh, led to the previous uprising have not been addressed and are not going to be addressed yeah. by this man, Raisi, who, by the way, uh, he's 60 years old, but since he was 19, he has his only task has been to set, issue death sentences for dissidents for 41 years, reminds one of uh, Himmler in terms of his brutality yeah. and viciousness. So we have uh, a situation brewing in the United States that many believe is the beginning of a, a more totalitarian uh, type system. Um, you have a, uh, a saying in the NCRI to pay the price. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I think Americans would be interested in, in that history and in, in how, you how, you, how you view the resistance in the movement. Yes, of course, we, quite frankly, over the past 42 years, felt that the responsibility to bring change in Iran and overthrow this regime rests uh, singularly on the shoulders of the Iranian people and the organized resistance. And of course, we have paid a tremendous price over the past 42 years, not only in terms of blood and treasure, uh, some of the brightest children of Iran, uh, one of them happening to be my own brother, have been executed by this regime. As I'm sure you appreciate, we have uh, endured uh, the pain and, and the, the difficulty of uh, having to live in exile for the past mm -hmm. uh, 42 years, which is not, uh, it is not easy to be away from your home. Mm -hmm. And of course, at the same time, and unfortunately, we have seen uh, an international community, Europeans and the US, that have generally speaking, I guess, except for a brief period, have been on the side of the regime in Tehran. And mm -hmm. one administration after the other has tried to play carrot and stick with the regime with the idea of working with the uh, regime. I was going to ask, why, why do you think that is? I mean, for, for the, that the presidency after administration in the U.S. seems to play, try to play this game, except for Trump. Well, I think, first of all, you have to recognize that the regime, the mullahs are quite cunning. And so mm -hmm. by coining this moderate versus hardliner narrative, mm -hmm. they have beguiled 
the various uh, administrations in the US and for that matter in Europe uh, to think that by giving them concessions, they are willing to play ball. Of course, Europeans by and large uh, are uh, after economic interest, their short-term economic interest. They yeah. want to make investment in Iran to help their economies. Mm -hmm. And so for them, money is more important, the tactical gains are more important than a strategic view that, uh, in a sense, they are investing on a, on a losing horse. And look what, right. what has happened in, in 2015, after all the concessions that the Obama administration gave to the regime, $100 billion or so, uh, regime wreaked even more havoc in the Middle East. It, it, it kept its nuclear weapons program intact, and it advanced uh, and tested its, its ballistic missiles. And of course, it repressed its own people as well. So in this sense, I think it is time for the international community to come to this understanding that the only way you can have a stable, uh, calm, peaceful Middle East, uh, an end to sectarian violence, to terrorism, is uh, to have a democratic uh, country, in government in Iran, that is not only willing to engage its own people, but also the rest of the international community. And, and so in that sense, we believe that any concessions at this time, under whatever pretext to the regime, especially after what happened uh, the past month or so with Raisi, sure to become the next president, I think uh, is unjustified, is unwarranted, and is not only to the detriment of the Iranian people, but also uh, undermines peace and stability in the Middle East and by extension uh, across the world. Yeah. The Persian people have a long history of, of excellence and science and, you know, culture. And, and to think what we're missing with this regime suppressing all that is, is really a loss for the world, in my view. But You're absolutely correct. Remember, uh, Todd, that this year is the Iranian year 1400, mm -hmm. which means that uh, next year, we will begin our, the new century for Iran. Mm -hmm. And the past 100 years, 50 years of it was uh, uh, under the brutal dictatorship of the Pahlavis. And uh, 42 years so far have been under the brutal uh, tyranny of the Mullahs. Mm -hmm. So we have basically, we have a lost century, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, the spirit of resistance, the spirit of... Uh, the struggle, uh, the desire for freedom, the desire for democracy in Iran has not abated. And people are more determined than ever before, having experienced two types of dictatorship uh, to bring about a democratic system of government. Mm -hmm. Whereas in 1979, when the Shah was overthrown, and I remember those days, I was a young uh, 19, 20-year-old, uh, the Iranian people while they knew what they are rejecting, but they had no idea what they want to replace it with. Yeah. That is why an imposter like Khomeini came in and did what he did. But now I think they are quite aware, they are quite enlightened. That is why you saw during the January 2020 protest uh, when that Ukrainian airliner was shot down, people took to the streets and the most prevalent chant by them, especially by the uh, educated Iranians, the university students, was mm -hmm. uh, death to the dictator, be it the Shah or the leader. So mm -hmm. they are looking beyond what was in the past 
what is at the present and the looking to the future. And uh, in that sense, because this time, un un unlike the time of the Shah, you have a potent organized force uh, within Iran and outside with, an, with a specific platform, with international recognition, with an identifiable leader, a woman who's committed to democracy and, and freedom, Mrs. Rajavi, who inspires the, uh, at least 50% of Iranians, the women of Iran who have been oppressed under this misogynist regime. I think uh, the future looks very bright. We are quite um, uh, excited about what lies ahead. And in some sense, we are not waiting for anybody to do the job for us. We are doing it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, in that sense, uh, I think um, we are on the offensive and the regime is on the defensive. I think the fact that Khamenei did away with this uh, game of moderate versus hardliner after 42 years ref is reflective of the desperation and the fear that he has of, of another uprising and of course, if and when that happens, and it will happen, I'm, I'm confident of that because we are working toward making that happen, actually. Uh, it will be far more ferocious and far more widespread. It might very well be the final uprising that mm. will bring down this regime and bring democracy and freedom to Iran. Well, Ali, thank you. I think Americans have uh, grown soft and really are now learning what freedom really is. And uh, maybe we can learn something. We should learn something from your movement. So thank you for your time. And after the election, maybe we can have you back and talk about how things are going. It'd be my pleasure. Just a reminder that uh, uh, in, in July, from July 10 to 12, there will be a, uh, like previous years, the Free Iran World Summit. Mm -hmm. uh, the, that will be held, and, and it's uh, the main uh, theme of the, the summit is the democratic alternative uh, on the march to victory, which will bring uh, many, many lawmakers, bipartisan lawmakers, dignitaries, and tens of thousands of Iranians from across the world, uh, uh, basically online, of course, virtually. Yeah. And as we move forward, we'll provide you with some info in terms of uh, what's going to happen and, and things like that. And I certainly look forward to speaking with you again. And thank you for being so diligent and uh, uh, objective in reporting the facts uh, in Iran uh, as they happen. Thank you, Ali. Take care. We'll have you back. Thank you very much, Todd. Cheers.